hi, and welcome to our Prophetic Culture uh, Facebook Live. We're doing a whole summer series, and so I'm really excited to do this one. I've had so many of my friends said, why don't you do one on worship for like years? And so I gave in, but this is like the best given ever. Like, I feel like we're all going to be blessed. Um, I'm going to learn a whole bunch on here because one of the things as preachers is we have got to honor worship leaders. We have got to uh, um, understand. We may not fully understand, but we have to understand how God has made them and equipped them on the inside and, and take their gift and just be a blessing in their life and, and just let them flow, let them, you know, learn and do what they need to do, pay for them to go to worship leader camps and all these things that to make their giftings grow. And so one of the things why I'm excited about doing this one is because I was talking to Roland yesterday and we were just talking about how the next generation um, of worship leaders one of the things with the worship leaders is that um, sometimes because social media is in front of our face every day, um, that becomes a culture. That's actually a culture. And so we're having people pick up things that they don't need to. And, and if we're going to do this, we want holiness. We want integrity. We want, we want you to be who you are. But I mean, Jesus is our ultimate. It's not adding and I, I think a lot of a lot of the different people are going to be sharing today are going to share some things and unpack it but we've got to understand that when you are called to lead like that there's requirements to being a musician and I mean Ray Hughes probably can tell you all the other names and so I'm first of all I'm so excited Ray Hughes is on here because I'm like he is a general and a father in the prophet in the prophetic movement and the worship movement and so I've been so blessed by him so we'll we'll get back to Ray in a second but go ahead and share this broadcast because we want as many um worship leaders musicians um even pastors to watch this and 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 understand where the quality of these people that have been formed on the inside how they learn from jesus above all and to have the word of god in you all these things that make you um to open an atmosphere because everyone carries an atmosphere. And so we want to start, I'm probably going to stumble through this a little bit today, just because I'm so excited to have them on, but they have all the language. And, you know, part of what Roland and I were talking about yesterday is we're saying every time God moves either, either whether if you study any revival, music is attached to it. And so there's always a sound that comes in the earth when there's a move of God happening. Also, when new eras come in, God actually creates language and music's always attached to that. And I don't understand it. Maybe Ray Hughes, not that we, we give him like a bit of time. We need to just have one time with Ray Hughes with a Q&A and just ask him all the questions we all need to ask him. But, um, but in every, whenever there are moves of God, the music is one of the top things that come in. And so when that is happening within a generation, how do we handle that? What do we, we have to make sure that first of all, we're pure. So I'm not going to start preaching, but um, these are things that some of these speakers are going to talk about today. So I'm going to introduce Ray Hughes. So I want to tell this story with Ray. Ray has impacted my life a lot, like um, because as a prophet, sound is really important to me. And especially when you go into territories and regions, like I'm listening for a sound. For instance, even like a Jessica, where Jessica leads at Fresh Start. If you have not been to Fresh Start Church, please go there. There. I mean, my God, talk about a sustained atmosphere of heaven. Um, the, the thing about when I, you know, go there, I hear sounds I haven't heard since the Brownsville revival. Like there's, there's like 
God gives us, I don't know, I don't understand if like in our cells, in our memory, how we have those sounds remembered, but I would hear sounds certain times when they get in the glory that I remember from when I grew up in the Brownsville revival and just different revivals I've been to, there's a sound, right? And so um, I just feel, so back to my Brownsville. So Ray came, Ray came many times to Brownsville and one of the times he came was a Sunday morning of all times and the atmosphere like in worship just broke out. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe he can, he can maybe give a little bit of language to this, but it was almost like a different dimension came in the room. And when that happened, I felt like I was living there more than here. And the whole room was that way. And so all of a sudden I had this, and if you've been to Brownsville, like it's a really high ceiling. And all of a sudden I saw like a cloak fall down and it came and dropped on me. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Cause back then I didn't even really know the prophetic. I didn't know a lot of that. All I grew up with was revival. Right. And so um, I remember that day I was like, I feel like we could just step into heaven. Like that is how much the dimension through music, through sound, change an environment to create a prophetic moment. And so um, I just want to welcome Ray Hughes and just honor him as a father in the worship movement. Oh, well, bless you. Hey, let me turn on my timer now. Because <laughs> this is going to be quite a work of art right here. Uh, for, me, for me to talk uh, 10 minutes is, uh, you know, I mean, I can hiccup longer than 10 minutes, uh, but uh, it's such a joy to, to be with you. And I thank you, Elizabeth, for the invitation, especially to be amongst all these guys that you got here, these young and powerful voices for the new day. And, uh, and that's, how, that's really how I see it, you know, because we've got to have a new sound release because right now the world is full of noise. And, and when you're and when anyone, even as an individual, a little on all of the, the, the corporate and cultural rattlings and racket that's going on in, in the earth today. Well, when you're when you're when your world is full of noise, you got to remember that quiet is not the absence of sound. It's an invitation to listen and hear life. And right now, there's such a tumultuous sound of, of death that is rattling every culture, rattling every system, every, you know, the political systems, economic systems, military systems, um, racial divides. Uh, you know, we don't, we, I don't give a bunch of time here to listing all of them, but the, but the world is, is rattling and it's tumultuous right now. And what I want to very quickly, if I can, uh, um, acknowledge the desperation uh, without, without the darkness. I don't want to look, but there is a desperation that the darkness has created and, uh, and misdirected desperation can become hopelessness and hopelessness then, uh, but hopelessness can be reversed and, uh, and it can be undone by honest humility and a dependence on God. And when we don't, when we don't know what to do, God does. And you see that as a beautiful picture of what happened in the sound realm uh, in Second Chronicles 20. I'm not going to have time, of course, to elaborate much on it or to preach it, as, as you know. But what we see is uh, immediately in the first verse of chapter 20 in Second Chronicles, it happened after this that the people of Moab and Ammon, Ammonites, Moabites, 
came against Jehoshaphat. Okay, we know. Ammonites were direct descendants of Lot's incestuous relationship with his two daughters. Um, the Ammonites, the Moabites, uh, they all uh, worship the god of Molech, which is uh, the destruction or the, or the annihilation of the, of the children. So what you have is you have, and the other cousins uh, there, uh, they worship the god of Molech through their, their perversion, their sexual perversion and, and orgies and uh, giving their bodies sacrificially. And it was a spiritual dynamic that was going on there. And that was what was invading, coming to invade God's people. Now, all throughout scripture, you see that where it says, when it speaks of where the enemy encamped against the people of God. Encamped against does not mean necessarily attack. Encamp against means they're encamped right down the road. And then that, that's not about invasion, it's a slow invasion called infiltration. So as they would infiltrate the, the culture, pretty soon the people of God would begin to compromise the purity of their worship and the sound that they were born to bring into the earth. And because their sound is really uh, creates portals in the spirit realm and uh, uh, so that heaven can be heard in the earth and heaven's desires be known in the earth. And see, what happened here was, let, let's, let's, let's look at it like this. When you look at the heights, see, uh, for example, uh, an eagle uh, loves the lure of the heights because he's most alive, soaring alone in the heavens. But a mockingbird, he spends his time sitting on a limb, initiating or, or imitating, I'm sorry, the last thing that grabbed his attention. So what we have today is we have so many things to grab our attention, to dominate our thinking, to dominate our lives, and create an unholy desperation, a misdirected desperation, therefore releasing fear upon the nations. But an eagle, again, he's up there listening to something very different. He's in a place where he's actually in the heights above the noise. Because in that place, the silence is filled with the presence and the glory of God, as far as he's concerned. He's listening to another realm. And I dare say there are prophetic uh, seers, minstrels, musicians, poets, prophets in this generation that are created for that. And that's one of the reasons there's so much calamity uh, and, uh, and um, there's, there's a sense of being broken down in regards to the, to the effective truth that's coming forth as well, because they're hearing, hearing the noise in this realm. But heights are above the noise, and depths are below the noise. So above, they're up there soaring on a wind that carries us. And the depths is resting in a stillness that holds us. Well, the Lord wants to hold us, and he wants to carry us. He wants to keep us, and he wants to give us a grace and an authority to move things in that, in that middle realm. And that's one of the reasons you see in this picture here where it says, some came and told Jehoshaphat, here's, here's the news. He says, they, they told him, Jehoshaphat, there's a great multitude is coming against you from, the, from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazantamar, which is in Gedi. Uh, <clears throat> now. The, the, the uniqueness of what happened here was they said they're coming against us. This who is this great multitude? Well, a great multitude is not people. The word multitude in uh, the Hebrew is the word hamon, which is a, 
a uh, tumultuous sound. Think about that. So these people are coming, bringing this news. Basically, they were bringing the propaganda that they're right down the road. It's all over. It's, it, we're, we're in a terrible fix here. See, prophets and seers. Now, think about this. First of all, the propaganda specialists that are in the earth today have the ability to make lies sound truthful. Mm -hmm. But prophets and seers are created, and they have an ability to charge atmospheres with truth. And forget the facts. We don't even know what the facts are anymore, and we're not even concerned about the facts because facts inform, but truth transforms. But we've got to access the truth realm in such a way that we're carrying promises by the power of the spirit of a living God who is activating truth, bringing truth through those vessels that are carrying the sound. And see right here, the people of God immediately, they begin to forget their sound because they begin to um, all the, the anxiety over the noise. We're not going to be noise driven. Even even when the word when uh, the words translated joyful noise, that's a very very different thing we don't that we don't have time for right now. But what I want us to see is that loud tumultuous noise was overwhelming the soundscape. What and where was the sound coming from? It was coming from all the many voices or the mixed messages. We have mixed messages coming out of the media. We have mixed messages coming out of our universities and colleges. We have mixed messages right now coming out of the church. We have mixed messages coming from every side, just bombarding everyone. And it says, then in the middle of that, the Lord caused, uh, they said, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord because we need a new sound. And, and we need to get out of the noise realm. So Judah gathered together to ask help of the Lord. And out of all the cities, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat now presided, stood there in the assembly of, of all the, uh, the people of God. And he got real. He got honest. He didn't consider his position political. He considered his position with the same holy frustration and desperation that had been put into the atmosphere as darkness, he had already started processing this in a very different way. And he's, he began by acknowledging the things that God has done and the things that God has promised. And if we're going to have a sound or a song in the future, we better remember his mighty acts, tell of his wondrous works, and let that become the lyric that is our life that we release and reveal today because the atmosphere needs to be charged with truth that transforms instead of all the news, fake or not, fake news, and all that, that just constantly bombards uh, the, the, the mind and the, and, and, and the human heart. What the enemy was imposing was, is he did not want them to rest. He, he wanted the people of God to rest in peace versus live in peace and live in the promises. Rest in peace means they're going, he, in other words, I'm using a, a phrase there, but they're going to wipe out the people of God. Now, to land this thing for you real quick, to play the music of heaven or to hear the sound of heaven and bring it into this realm, what happens is music, music is kind to the wind. They were getting the wrong wind, but that thing was blowing strong. But, but the music of, of heaven is kind to the wind of, and the earth and especially and all those that breathe it. So we need to be breathing the breath of God, which is what we were created to do when he breathed. He, he formed Adam, Yatsar, squeezed, 
squeezed the dirt, and then God released a sound, and it was the sound of his his ruach, his breath. He, Hoo! and when he once he had formed man, when he released that, then man responded with a who, 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 and he began to breathe. He became a living soul. Now he was. You're going to see that Jehoshaphat ultimately winds up from a governmental as well as a, a, a spiritual authority place because he had an encounter here. He began, he first thing he did before they could release the sound that would resist the noise, it said he bowed and put his face to the ground and worshiped. And that's what that whole uh, shaka word is, is to bow, put your face to the ground and worship. Now, notice how many times there's, how many there, and I won't get into it, religions that have, when they release a sound, it, it um, causes them to worship. Uh, what I'm getting at is, is there are religions that you see them five times a day, put their face to the ground. The sound alerts them. And then here they, and that is, that is a counterfeit of the worship of God. Why is it important? Have your face to the ground. When you put your face to the ground, you're putting your head below your heart. So you're no longer going to listen to the propagandist that's, that's so in the dark stuff in the noise realm. Your head is below your heart. Your face is to the ground. You are taking a position that you were created for, for the very reason you were created is worship. If we are not worshipers of God, we forfeit the reason we exist. And God has put this powerful force in the earth called music that awakens beyond sound realm. There is something in, in the, the spirit realm that is, causes our spirits to awaken and respond. So the third reason you put your face to the ground is because if you're going to be a worshiper, you just got to get down to earth. We got to get out of this high and lofty expression of Christianity or, or, or all of the, we got to stay out of that noise realm. We got to get back to the quiet place. Now what happened there was, and I got to land it again. I'm two minutes over already. Forgive me guys. I know we're all on a time thing here, but, but, um, but what happened was, is, uh, is when they got to the point that we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Matani, the son of Benani, the son of Jael, and it goes ahead and the Spirit of the Lord for the whole nation came upon Jehaziel. Well, everybody knows who Jehaziel is. No, we don't. He's not one of the famous guys. God's looking for the, he's not looking for fame. He's looking for those that are carrying greatness. And fame typically, and especially in the music realm, in the entertainment world, and in our culture today, what happens is fame will hold people captive and keep them away from the greatness they were created for. Real, true greatness are, comes as a result of those that are putting their face to the ground and hearing heaven and becoming a conduit or a portal that carries truth that is transformative. And, that, and, and, and basically, that's the bottom line of what happened here. One very, in, very unknown, this Jehaziel guy, speaks up. And when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he says, hey, listen, Jer Judah and Jerusalem, listen, you too, King Jehoshaphat, listen up. Tomorrow, go out against them, you'll find, and gives this amazingly accurate, uh, timely word that gave them the strategies of God to move forward, to re re reveal the purposes of God through worship. And then they lifted up their voice to make this, this 
sound of praise, not a noise, lifted up this and this the 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 heaven realm fully engaged, and then you see everything change and peace. Ultimately, peace came uh, to the people of God. See, the noise that's in our world is a great distraction and 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 deterrent, of course. But the noise, for example, the noise of the of the mind in Eden is what welcomed loss into a beautiful world. And we we, uh, we need to be the ones that are setting the tempo and the texture and the tone of heaven as worship leaders, as as prophetic musicians, as minstrels that are carrying the sound of heaven. Now I'm so sorry I went way over, but and I just gonna, I'm going to have to just leave it with you right there. But there's just so much of the so much relevance to this word for right now. And all through scripture, you see, there it was. Uh, look at Gideon, same thing. You look at uh, uh, the guy, Joshua, same thing. What did they do? The enemy's overtaken. There is no future. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, there is. Because back in the garden, there was a promise made that a Messiah redeemer would come. And that's one of the reasons every generation was trying to wipe all these enemies were invading and infiltrating trying to create compromise and, and create political correctness. Oh, come on in. And the, yeah, but they're, they're, they're coming after um, more than you bargained for. Once we cease to be the people God created us to be in the sound realm. And you think, how ridiculous is it for us to imagine that the sound and the music and the things that we bring into the atmosphere in a church or an event somewhere is going to make a difference. Well, I'll tell you how bizarre it is to believe such a thing. The word of God is full of those opportunities for us to step back, step past our intellectual reasoning and move, move over into the sound of heaven realm. So anyway, I went way over and uh, God bless well, okay, you. we can't let you go. I know, I know we're good on time, everybody. Everybody's good on there. Okay, blow my mind away. Okay, Ray, we totally need to have you on one by your, you know, for a full hour talking. But I want to ask a question. If there's someone watching on here today, and maybe someone said, Hey, I've compromised. I don't, I didn't even realize the, my calling, um, what God's really assigned me. What would, as a father in the worship movement, what, what advice would you give someone that says, Hey, I connected with what you shared today. How can I, how can I, what's a step I can take into getting into who God really created me to be as a leader? Yeah. Well, what happened with the, those folks there? They positioned themselves in an atmosphere of truth and stood on that. Now, what we got to do now, if somebody's hearing that as a word to their life, first of all, we're, we're driven in our culture today to believe that we're irrelevant if we're not successful. And, 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 and especially in the music, world, you know, popularity represents power. So if you can become popular, you're powerful. Therefore you have, you can have impact and influence. You're not going to get to heaven one day and the Lord say, Oh, welcome thou good and an impactful person and great influence. It's going to be around faithfulness and faithfulness is where the sound is. It's, carrying the legitimate, authentic expression of who God caused you to be as unique, as unique as you are. We do not have to imitate or emulate because imitators and emulators will sooner or later become imposters. You don't want to be an imposter. What you want to do is David could have been, become an imposter, but he chose not to. He had had a great victory. He's running down the road. He's carrying the head of the enemy after this whole 
a, a very like in battle to all this. Here he is, he's carrying this head. And that's when I, all the gals came out and began to sing. Oh, Saul has slain his thousands, the old lady said. Antiphonal response was a new generation. This is literally the way it happened. The older generation says, Saul has slain his thousands. And the young girl said, but David, his ten thousands. Hadn't happened yet. It was, so it was prophetic. These prophetic dancers that had been on the wall of pain, loss, fear, not knowing what was going to happen in a battle are suddenly alerted when David's coming. What do they do? David has slain his ten thousands. Now, this is a rejected misfit who had never fit in any, any, any part of his own world. He hears this, but he didn't stay there in the praise and the accolades and the, the applause. He went right on and passed up this sense of, of fame. At that point, he would live the rest of his life famous for killing a giant, would never have gone forward. And whoever it is that's, that's hearing this as a call to your heart, for a moment, step back, put your face to the ground, breathe the life that you were created to live, get the noise out of your heart, out of your life, start looking to horizons that God wants to inspire you to the simplicity and the humility of the sound that's waiting in you. Pass up, pass up the praise. That is not power. Pass up that you go straight on. And what did he do? He goes straight to Jerusalem carrying this hit. No, he didn't. There was no Jerusalem yet. It was a Jebusite for, fortress. It was not even Jerusalem yet. But he goes to the very place that was Melchizedek's throne and declares what that was. It was a prophetic act saying next. And wow. that's where he that's where he created the the tabernacle of david and god rested in their midst for 33 years 24 7 that's what you're looking for is a life of worship that carries all the overflow of your worship is the only power you really need wow okay well i don't know i'm tearing up just listening to him talk about that so Wow, we'll come back to Ray to you at the end. I would love for you to pray at the end. So, wow, in the presence of God, I can feel so strong. Catherine Mullins, my goodness. If you didn't know, Catherine once wanted to work for Chick-fil-A and wanted wow. to move up. And man, does everybody know your story, Catherine? On this? Don't you forget it. Look, yeah. and and because that's an amazing to to work in their management is an amazing thing that a lot of people want to do. So I love that God's called you to lead so many into battle. And I I love that you just have such a pure heart. You just want to keep Jesus first. And there's so many things I look up to you for, Catherine. And so uh, let's let's go ahead and share what God's put on your heart today, Catherine. Well, so one, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I just love what you're doing and what God's doing through you. Um, and then also what Ray said, there were so many, so many things. I mean, I, I was taking notes and trying to take notes as he was talking, but I just want to highlight some specific things because I feel like they go into what I, I felt like was on my heart from the Lord uh, for, for people watching today. One, he said um, a phrase, he said mixed messages. So just remember that mixed messages. I think right now, uh, not just culturally, but culturally in the church, there is a lot of mixed messages being released to people. Um, he also said the attack of culture. There is a massive attack of culture, which is nothing new. And we see that in Second Chronicles chapter you know, 20. There's an attack of culture against the body of Christ. And we need to be very aware of that. And then um, he also said purity of worship. And then he said a life of worship is the power you need. So there are 
there's so much there that, that when he's talking about truth, we don't need as a culture um, in the church, we don't need to reinvent truth. We just need to speak truth and stand on truth and let truth speak for itself because it's going to change us. Um, but anyways, I just loved what he was saying. So, so mixed messages. Um, when I was praying about it today, I really wanted just to talk about the mixture right now that we're experiencing, uh, particularly in the worship movement. And when I say worship movement, I mean uh, the Christian music industry, and I do mean the worship leaders in the local church. So we know that the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter seven, that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. That's just the reality of it. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Um, James chapter three tells us that salt water and fresh water cannot flow out of the same stream. But what we're seeing right now all over the body of Christ is mixture. We don't really want to talk about it. We don't, we're kind of, you know, I'm honest. We're kind of afraid that we're going to hurt people's feelings. We're concerned about having a kind tone, but, um, in making sure kind tone, we are sacrificing a truth message that really the world needs to hear and um, the priesthood needs to hear. So, so mixture we know, according to the Bible, is nothing new in the priesthood. You know, Hophni and Phineas. I mean, you can just go all throughout it. I mean, at one point, uh, God finally says, I just wish that the church would close its doors because you have so much mixture and what you're giving me isn't real and you're giving me your leftovers. So he, he deals pretty harshly with the priesthood. And I know I'm kind of diving in pretty quickly with this, but, but in order to be a worship leader and in order, not just a prophetic worship leader, but just a worship leader, a non-negotiable is holiness. A non-negotiable, I will shout it from the rooftops, you know, at my dying breath, you know, I will say holiness is a non-negotiable and we have got to attack mixture in the body of Christ head on because unfortunately, you know, the world is, is so desperate for a fresh drink from the river of the presence of Jesus. But because worship leaders have made a decision to live lives of mixture, we are giving muddy water to a lost and dying world. We're giving them polluted water. And then we wonder why so many people are de dealing with fear. So many people are dealing with anxiety. So many people are dealing with depression. I honestly believe it's because our own lives are full of anxiety. Our own lives are full of depression. Our own lives are full of sexual sin. And there has to come a time when we say enough is enough. And God is calling a generation. And it's not this, this religious type thing, but you know, I, I saw this recently. We sometimes tend to overemphasize the love of God. And it's, you know, it's almost like, how can we do that? But really, you know, God's called loving just a few times in scripture, but he's called holy over 400 times in scripture. And so when we look at this Americanized version of Christianity, I think we've, uh, we've made it so much about us. And I just want to shout from the rooftops that holiness is a non-negotiable and God is calling his church out on these things. And as much as I would love to just be like the friendly person and just hug everyone, God is calling a generation to holiness again. And the reason he does that is because he's loving. The reason he does that is because he's good. And so um, All right. Well, we're so sorry that Catherine cut out. Let's see if she'll come back in. She has sound. Hello, you there? Yeah, here you are. You cut out for a little. Okay, where did I stop? Do you remember? I'll just keep. Uh, I'll just keep talking. Holiness. That's where. <laughs> okay, holiness. I'll shout it from the rooftop. So we're. I believe we're at this divine moment right now. I'm sorry, I'm in my car. 
we're at this divine moment right now where God in his grace and mercy is exposing things not to hurt us. He's exposing things to heal us. But we come to this point and you see it all throughout scripture. And it's, at, you know, at, at least my heart is we've got to look and we've got to heed the warnings in scripture right now. And the warnings are saying, okay, holiness matters. Um, without holiness, without purity, we're not going to see God. He says, if you love me, you've got to obey me. So holiness is a big deal to him. And so I think he's really exposing things right now because there comes a point when the Holy Spirit gets tired of, of wading through muddy waters. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but if the Holy Spirit, because there's always a grace point, you know, he, he has so much grace, grace upon grace for his church. But there comes a time when the Holy Spirit will begin to withdraw from muddy waters. And he just says enough is enough. And the reason he does that is because he's wanting a generation to recognize their need for him. And their need to repent and turn from him. And so I think we're, or turn to him. And so I think we're at a point right now of just recognizing that mixture is unacceptable. And it's, he's not calling for perfection. He's not, not saying that we're not going to make mistakes, but we have got to get back to a point where we weep at the things that grieve the heart of God. All right. All right, so hopefully she'll come back in. If not, we'll come back to Catherine. Why don't we jump over to um, Roland? Roland, I actually want to read this before you because I've known you for a really a, a long time. But I until Jessica, actually Jessica's the one that introduced me to your book. I knew you wrote the book on joy, but I didn't know you wrote this book, The Emerging Worship. And you actually wrote it in 2008. And we were talking about how, um, we were talking about how you, you like were way ahead of your time, which is amazing. Um, so let me just read a couple things that I just loved even when you open this on, because we've all heard teaching on priestly worship. We've heard teaching on um, uh, prophetic worship. I never heard the teaching on apostolic worship. And I know when Jessica explained to me, I was like, I've got to get Roland's book. So here's what you open the chapter saying, just in the songs of the book, of, just as in the songs of the book of Psalms and in the tabernacle of David, apostolic worship is again, emerging as a vehicle for corporate declarations and decrees. I think that's actually what I love because of what we do as prophets, right? Here's, here's another part where you have to get Roland's book. Do, Roland, do you have your book with you? You can hold up so people can see. Do you have it with you? So, I do. Yeah, I love this. So I'll, I'll kind of intro you with this and say, it says, just as with the priestly and the prophetic dimensions of worship, the apostolic in worship is not a higher or more greatly desired place, which I love that you share that, but simply has a different function. Whereas priestly worship is earth to heaven and prophetic worship focuses upon releasing revelation, apostolic worship moves from heaven to earth in the form of a declaration and an announcement. So welcome, Roland. Well, thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for what you're doing. Been watching you over the last few years and love um, how the Father's moving you into position of, of greatness, the true definition of greatness. Um, uh, amazing things from Ray, amazing things from Catherine. Um, I was hoping not to have to go after Ray, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, I think bef before I talk a little bit about apostolic worship, I just want to set it up 
Um, and I think that's just the way that I've come to refer to something that's been around for a very long time, you know, thousands of years, actually. It's not something that um, came into the body of Christ recently. Um, I think musicians and worship leaders, and for those that are watching, you know, we are designed to um, be part of the interaction between heaven and earth that you talked about. And through through our gifts to, to create and steward atmospheres um, that welcome God's people into experiencing, encountering, interacting with um, all the dimensions of God. Right? He's, he's incredibly multifaceted. Um, and so, like Ray said, accessing the tru truth realm to infiltrate this realm. Um, you know, we saw in Jacob's ladder. We've got ascending and descending. There's multiple pictures all over the word of God. Um, Revelation 8 has become known as the harp and bowl, the incense of prayer and worship going up, the bowls that were poured out. Um, the What's become known as the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come on earth is in heaven. We, we know these key scriptures, but it's that issue of the call, the design to partner with dimensions of heaven and living there more than here or living there and here, Elizabeth, as you put it. You know, Jesus said he, he only did what he saw his father doing and he said what he heard his father say. Um, it's crucial for musicians. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus saying the words I speak to you are spirit and life. What if musicians and worship leaders were called to say the sound I released is spirit and life? So we're called we're called to something that I don't think we've really, really grasped. I think we've been living at a much lower level of what we were really designed for. So, you know, worship leaders and musicians, before I move into apostolic worship, you know, you're not called to entertain man. Your primary function is not to entertain man. Your primary function is not leading songs. I was in the music industry at 16 years old. And, you know, the highest aspiration of that world is to worship the one that's creating the music or to worship um, the music itself, neither of which are, are, are very good ideas. And and that has infiltrated our our worship industry, um, which which Catherine touched upon. I had a significant vision in 2000, and I was taken into an open vision into a wilderness um, where musicians were forging sound. They they were carrying and working with materials that I I couldn't identify with a natural light, but they were forging sound. They were forging the sounds of heaven and releasing them into the earth. And I remember thinking at the time and, and, and in that encounter, God, you know, God asking me, what does um, righteousness and justice sound like? What does the government of God sound like? What does worship infused with his government look like? So we see it in the Psalms of David. We see it in the lives of others, deep intimacy and moments of incredible authority. And there's room for it all. And I love what Ray said. He talked about the heights and the depths. You know, there's sort of a, before we move into this talk, you know, about apostolic worship, there's kind of this idea that if we're really intimate with Jesus, maybe we can't move into governmental declarations. Or if we're moving in governmental declarations, then maybe we're not intimate. With it, it, this is not a both end. This is, this is, uh, an, or either or, this is, this is both ends. Sorry. Um, so I think for me on my journey, I began leading worship in a house of prayer in London and uh, in local church. And 
I began to bump into dimensions of God that I knew were not resident in my life. As I began to partner with seasoned ministries, with apostles, prophets, with people that were releasing healing and the prophetic, there was a sound that began to come out of my life that I knew wasn't resident when I was not partnering in that moment. So I realized that gifts of God were opening atmospheres, were opening dimensions of the spirit that as a musician, um, I had my I had my toolkit, my musician toolkit, I'm a classically trained musician. I had all my musician toolkit, but here I was I was being introduced to another toolkit that the Holy Spirit was introduced to me. This was a, a toolkit of, of interacting with heaven and earth and releasing stewarding dimensions of God. And those two things combined together, right? My musicianship and this sensitivity to what God was doing in, in the spirit. And this was solidified in a house of prayer in London for five years where we were just really watching over the city and that was an invitation i think to god put me through my paces to begin to to steward with others with many others the atmosphere over a city and a region and to say um you know what does this look like and i think that's where really these prophetic dimension apostolic dimensions of worship i began to call them kind of kind of started to open out um also been involved in the with the underground church in the Middle East. That's kind of been a primary assignment, and you know, and that's a sound that comes out of persecution. And I've got friends who's who's um, who've been parents have been martyred for their faith, have been in prison for five plus years. There's a sound that comes out of that. You know, these were places of desperation, like Ray said, um, that that require a sound beyond the rattling, beyond the noise, beyond the perversion of truth and love. And we're at a moment in our nation. And in the nations where, uh, yeah, we've got to respond rightly in desperation. So this this sound, this apostolic sound, it's not serving a program. It's not serving a Sunday agenda. It's not serving religion. It's not to imitate the last sound that we heard. Um, we're set up for a moment for a new sound. So I want to want to quickly, uh, time's going, but talk about apostolic worship. Um, so I say it simply like this. Priestly worship is earth to heaven. This is singing to God. Prophetic worship is singing from God. Apostolic worship is singing with God. It's the declaration, actually declarations that Jesus is making over the earth. And many were talking about the new sound, prophesying the new sound when I wrote the book, but but not many were defining it. Um, and um you know, we know the word apostle comes from the word sent one. You know, um, they were sent to make the culture they were going into look like the culture that sent them. So it's exactly what we're supposed to do. So apostolic worship really has a sentness to it. It's worship that goes outside the room. And I love moments where Jesus takes us into the depths, where Jesus shows up to take us into the depths. I love resting. I love soaking. It's it's crucial. I think it's a necessity to get below the noise, as Ray said. But then there are moments where Jesus is not showing up in the church to comfort us. Jesus is not showing up in the church to hug us. Jesus is showing up in the church to govern. Jesus is showing up to in his government that is a different sounds as musicians and worship leaders we need to recognize move with and facilitate and steward that moment and partner with what jesus is declaring to actually shift things in the room shift things in the atmosphere shift things in the region shift things in the city so um that it, it, jesus is showing up to govern and that worship partners with his government so so corporate apostolic worship, you know, it carries it carries um, content that's outward 
by its, by its very nature, it's invading, it's outward, it's not self-focused, it's outward. And again, it comes out of that intimacy, right? Um, there's, um, the, the, these are times to partner with the government of God coming from heaven. So apostolic worship doesn't function to fill the bowls. Priestly worship fills the bowls in heaven in Revelation 8, but apostolic worship partners as the bowls are poured out. Wow. So it's a, it's a different sound. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus wants to turn up in, in the church with the ecclesia and say, Hey, let's reset something. Jesus shows up with his, with his called out ones, his ecclesia, um, deeply in love with him. No mixture. Those that have put their faces to the ground and worshiped gone into the depths. And then he shows up in the middle of a moment and says, let's reset something together. So, so the bride, the bride in corporate worship is moving from a place of priestly intimacy to becoming a unified voice. So priestly worship engages the church as like a captivated bride. Apostolic worship activates her as a kingdom carrier. So, um, yeah, apostolic worship resonates with the announcements from heaven. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage? Right? Psalm 2, why do the nations rage? And that whole psalm, it's an apostolic psalm. It functions totally heaven to earth if you read it. There's all sorts of psalms that go earth to heaven. But Psalm 2 is absolutely, totally in the heaven to earth dimension. And it's centered around Jesus, the king that's been set in place. And um, the, the God, the amazing God and Father that we love, laughing over the noise, laughing over the strategies of the nations that want to break the chains. Um, and uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Apostolic worship is different. It, it functions to, to declare the answer from heaven that's being poured out as those bowls are poured out, not filling the bowls in heaven. Wow. I love that so much, so much. I do want to ask you a question, Roland. Okay, so this season of the church, we're in a season of war, which is perfect for apostolic worship. Okay, so you say this, corporate apostolic worship is to declare to cities and regions to open up for God's presence to come in. So can you unpack that a little bit? Say like someone's watching as a worship leader and they're like, okay, um, like how does that work or how does that function? What would you tell them about that statement? Yeah, I think um, obviously the body of Christ is described in many wonderful ways. She's a bride. She's a family. Um, there's, an, there's a, there's a, a dimension that, that she's an army. And so I think understanding as a each local church has been birthed and designed uniquely just like a, a person to steward something and to release something unique into the geographic region where they're placed. So it's no mistake that you are placed as a worship leader uh, in the local church, in the local locality that you've been placed. And so I believe there's a sound that's beyond just the generic um, imitation. Um, you know, we 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 get to steward the place of family where people come in as family and community and we're gonna we're gonna steward that place of intimacy but i think it's recognizing that there's a call to release something uniquely into your geography into your region what is the what is the sound that darkness is facilitating over your particular neighborhood over your particular region over your particular city i live in a city that had pride and mammon are um are shouting loudly. Other cities and regions have different sound that's trying to dominate. 
So, um, you know, we're not in a battle to see whether light and dark are going to win, right? <laughs> we already, that's already finished. We, we get to, to declare and enforce the answer from heaven. So I would say along with prophetic people, with intercessors, with prophets, with leadership, talk about what is the sound, not only um, boots on the ground, um, uh, things that we can be doing as a church to shift things um, in, in the natural and in our communities and cities, but also in the spirit. You are designed as a worship leader, as a musician, as a worship team to actually bring the specified, uniquely designed sound for your region that that not only counteracts or fights with, but obliterates the sound that darkness is trying wow. to release. So you'll have declarations, you'll have lines, you'll have headlines, you'll have things you, you'll get to see what Jesus is declaring and you get to declare it with him. Wow. I love that Roland. So good. Such a good introduction for Jessica. Cause I know I talked to you yesterday about, I was like, Roland, you have to get to fresh start church. So Jessica, I believe when you watch her lead worship, it's like, it's if you could see the words, it's like decree, decree, decree out, like all her song, decree, decree. It's like the whole day. She's just set such an atmosphere. And I feel like when when I read about the apostolic worship, I thought, what a person to represent that so well. And 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 to raise up like I feel like God, she's gonna, God's gonna really use her to influence so many people in apostolic worship to actually know what it looks like in the real. So uh welcome, Jessica. Jessica, if you could just share like how. You don't have to share fully about apostolic, share whatever is on your mind. But I mean, I know that you introduced me to Roland's book. Share a little bit how that has impacted you. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Elizabeth. We love and appreciate you so much. It's an honor to have your voice in our state as well. And also thank you for making me go after Ray Hughes, Catherine Mullins, and Roland Wharton. But it's okay. <laughs> um, it's still such an honor. I will. I, I want to preface it. I'll, well, here, I'll start here. Um, the, the Lord moved us as we are in sustained revival um, into this place of spiritual authority in our session in our worship. And for about two years, we really did start to move into that realm of apostolic worship. We didn't have all of the language for it at that point. We were writing songs from it. We, we were making decrees and declarations. We were standing in our God-given authority as the ecclesia. Um, and then came along a few key voices in my life, um, Dutch Sheets being one of them that came up to us after one of our services and said, hey, you guys have a very apostolic sound. I never heard it called that before. And so what I did is I started to research um, exactly, obviously, through the word of God, praying in the spirit. I started to research um, an apostolic sound, and I came across an article by Roland Wharton, which ended up being an excerpt from his book. I didn't know that at the time. And I started reading, and I just began to bawl my eyes out because it was a language to what we had been walking out, like a literal blueprint confirmation affirmation, whatever you want to call it, to what we had been walking out for the last two years as a worship team. Um, and so it somehow we crossed paths, I think on social media or something like that. And he said, let me send you my book. And I'm like, there's a book. And, it, and then I get this book and it just, and literally the, in the first chapter, there's two scriptures that I had been praying into and leaning into for almost two years that the Lord was operating our paths, Isaiah 22, 22 and Amos 9, 11. And those two scriptures were in the very first chapter of his book. And I said, this is it. And so I bought one for every person on our worship team. And I said, y'all, we're not crazy. 
I said, this is a thing. This is a real thing. And the Lord years ago had this man write this book out for maybe even such a time as this, that we can step into the fullness of our mantle and what we're supposed to carry for our region and for our nation. And we've done that. And that book has literally catapulted us along with our intercession, along with our holiness, which I'll talk about in just a second, um, to where we are today. And it's just the beginning. And I understand that. Um, but the cry of my heart is to bring a generation into this position of apostolic and legislative worship is what we ended up calling it, which is pretty much the same exact thing. Before we had the language of apostolic worship, we did call it legislative worship, but I'm going to watch my time really close here. Um, but I, I just want to go back to two things. So maybe if there is a worship leader, a younger worship leader, or whatever that feels like they're supposed to come up under this mantle of apostolic worship, I think there are two very important things that you have to come up under first. And I do believe that is the spirit of praise and the breaker anointing, which he also talks about um, in his book as well. Um, so I just want to start with the spirit of praise and I'll go fast. I'll go real fast. But Psalm 149, six through nine, and this is my life first. And this is something we've completely given ourselves over to here in revivals. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force, every resistant power to bind kings with chains, rulers with iron shackles, praise filled warriors will enforce a judgment doomed to create against their enemies. Um, and I, what I believe is high praise is and will be your greatest weapon in activating a praising people and upholding the spirit of revival and activating the realm of legislation and carrying the mantle of apostolic worship. I believe this type of praise, and I'm talking about high praise, which is in the scripture, is full of zeal. It's full of expression. It's full of sacrifice. And this type of praise alone fully exemplifies the life in the heart of David. And the Bible says this, to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And Elizabeth, you know, because you've been in our services, we do not stop until the king of glory gets his glory. Because that means we give him him alone what he deserves and we don't stop until he gets what he deserves and I believe as we praise that the God of war is being released and that he's executing vengeance on all of our enemies on our behalf and what he does is he begins to deal directly with our enemies and this is why we don't stop until the spirit of praise is manifested in our atmosphere and every service that we have and every gathering that we have whether it be prayer meeting whether it be revival service we don't stop until the spirit of praise is manifested this let me just define it like this the spirit of praise is a shout and a sound and a release of mighty thanksgiving that exalts Jesus, activates awakening, and permeates defeat until it bows to breakthrough. And this is actually, I believe, where the breaker anointing comes in. And that's the second thing I'm going to talk about very quickly. Breaker anointing is the sound, is the sound of the breaker partnering with the spirit of praise. It's the voice of one crying loud and sparing, not making crooked paths straight, and preparing the way of the Lord that establishes breakthrough atmospheres. And I think it's it's very important to remember that if you want revival atmospheres, you have to have breakthrough atmospheres. And John 1 23 says the urgent and thundering voice clears the way for the coming of the Lord. And, and I believe a voice or a sound of authority that aligns with the authority of heaven can shift and establish an atmosphere of breakthrough and revival. And this is it. I believe it is the spirit of praise and it is the breaker anointing. And of course, holiness. And I'm going to talk about that last that establishes a foundation for legislative worship, apostolic worship. And as Roland just said, this is where you activate the ecclesia to partner with the authority of Jesus Christ to release the purposes and the assignments of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, we know upon this rock, I will build my church, my 
ecclesia. And the, and the Passion Translation actually says, my, he calls us his legislative assembly. That's what he calls us. And he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I believe legislative, legislative and apostolic worship is simply partnering with the word of God. It's binding, it's loosing, it's overturning the decrees of the enemy, and it's releasing your sound from the position of authority in heaven. The Bible tells us that we're seated at the right hand of our Father. That's the place that we should be releasing and making these decrees um, from heaven. Isaiah 22, 22 says, I'll place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. Whatever he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. And that's what we stand firm on. Legislative worship carries that authority, and it engages the key of David. That's what legislative apostolic worship does. It engages the key of David. It causes this realm that we're in right here to come into order and to come into alignment with the assignment of heaven and the decrees of heaven. Operating in this sound literally gives you the keys to unlock and overturn. And I will say all of this to say the foundation of this, all of this, I believe, is holiness. It's purity. And you cannot have spiritual authority without um, spending time with a father and without intimacy with a father. And I think sometimes what is ha what happens, especially in my generation, is they try to get ahead before they go back to where it all begins. And it's cultivated in the secret place. It's cultivated in your relationship with the Lord. And it's cultivated in holiness. And like what Catherine said and Ray Hughes said, it's cultivated in holiness and it's cultivated in purity. And I just, for just a few minutes, I just want to talk about something right now. And it's the counterfeit sound versus the sound of heaven. If this is a warning that's been going off of my spirit for a few years now, and if we look to the right and to the left, things are being exposed, but they're being exposed for such a time as this. Um, and I believe that any believer should hold themselves to the standard of a Nazarite, but especially believer that is called to host and release the sound of heaven. They should hold themselves to the position of a Nazarite. And I believe there has been a war. I believe there's been a war between two sounds, and that's the counterfeit sound, and that's the sound of heaven. And what we've done is we've written this counterfeit sound off as just another style or maybe a genre or maybe a stream, but it's so much more than that when this counterfeit sound comforts principalities instead of confronting them. And this is truly the sound, this counterfeit sound of the apostate church. And it is so far from the original intention of heaven that it abandons all biblical intention of the purpose and power of Davidic praise and worship. And it may sound good and it may look good, but it does not set the captive free. It keeps you bound so it can feed your ego and soothe your demons. But heaven is sounding an alarm right now in Judah on the earth and in the pure ones and the set apart ones and the ones that have given themselves over to the sound of heaven. And he wants us, I believe, to sound the alarm. And he wants to let people know that there is a difference and that there is a line being drawn. And this sound, this counterfeit sound, it may look and it may sound polished, but it is really like Catherine's. It is full of mixture. It is gray. It is fluid. It will claimed about a Jesus on one knee while bowing to the rhythm of culture on another knee and in the secrets its allegiance is not to God Almighty it is to another and over the years the church has taken that which is holy and it has put it in the hands of these counterfeit carriers but this is why we must in this hour and I speak to my generation and Gen Z this is why we must have eyes to see and ears to hear this is why we must consecrate ourselves so we can have a consecrated connection to heaven we're not allowed to listen to some things that everyone else gets to listen to we have to say no to things that most people get to say yes to we have to say yes to things that mo most people get to say no to. That's the place that the Lord is calling Judah right now for such a time as this. But this is what I believe. There's a collision of these two sounds coming. And it will truly be as in the day of King Nebuch Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew boys. Choose this day who you will serve. 
The idol of gold or the one true living God. And I believe the church of America will no longer be allowed to serve two masters anymore. It's been serving two masters for too long. And I do believe that there is a shaking coming to the American worship movement. There's a shift that is happening in the sound of worship that fills this earth. I feel this so strong. Um, and every sound that is released from the people of God will once again be released in spirit and in truth. And will once again be released with fear and with trembling and no longer bowing to the prophets of Baal and no longer bowing to Jezebel or the rhythm of the culture. But the spirit of truth and exposure is getting ready to pierce the church in a way that we never thought we would see. But what it, it's but what's going to happen is at the, at the end of all of this is there will be a pure and there will be a righteous and holy authoritative sound that we will be released from the body of Christ and this will be the sound that will usher in the next great awakening and this will be the sound that will usher in the second coming of our king wow wow well two things one last night I was at you guys's prayer meeting and you guys did that so well like there was just even in the first 10 minutes the atmosphere was sensed first you felt joy hit the building and then all of a sudden I felt the fear of the Lord come in and it was like almost like deliverance was in the atmosphere and what Ray was saying was all you saw were people putting their face down because when the glory comes like that you can't help but respond and it just what Ray unpacked about that was so and then all of a sudden I know your mom started to cry about the fire of God and like it was so charged in the atmosphere everyone in the building had to respond right. they had to respond it was so charged so I love that one thing I felt Ray if you're okay with this Ray I actually felt like a father in the prophetic movement and Jessica representing, I believe she is so special and handpicked by God um, to really lead and to, and to lay down a line in the sand for worship leaders in the next generation. Ray, would you as a father pray over her before we get to Tim and pray um, as for her, but also her representing the next generation of worship leaders? Yeah. Lord, I thank you for Jennifer. Lord, I, I bless her. And in your name and, and all that's holy about of your nature. And Lord, I, I just thank you that you are raising up young trumpets that are making a certain sound. And uh, you, as, even as you're preparing uh, those for battle that will hear this, the trumpet of this one you're raising up, and the many that you're raising up in this generation, Lord, I thank you for the clarity of the tone, the impact, and, and the and the, and the influence that th- her sound will carry, Lord. I just, I just thank you, Lord, that she was, she was born and anointed to marry truth and beauty and awaken the wonder of who you are mm-hmm. and, and, and release an arsenal of your beauty through her, Lord. Yes, we, we want it to be robust and powerful and dynamic, even as it is. But Lord, we also want the influence of the beauty of who you have created her to be. And Lord, I pray that you would cause her to live out her whole life, revealing and reflecting the beauty of the innocence of who she is in the power of the spirit. And Lord, I pray that she never become focused in any way on the things that are in any way self-serving or, or just get like all of us do, just get caught in the ministry trap and all that, Lord. Lord, it's not about it's not about building a ministry, and she knows it. It's about who are what are we going to give our life to? And Lord, she has committed to give her life to be one that releases a certain sound, equips for battle, but also reveals your beauty. 
And so, Lord, I speak that over her life, that she'll be able to move in and out of those, um, uh, that, that spiritual dynamic. She'll just, she'll just flow through that. She'll just walk through battle and beauty, battle and beauty. And the beauty of the victories that she carries in her life will be reflected in those that hear her sound and know her song. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Roland, did you want to share anything? Do you feel anything you'd like to share? Um, Hey, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) So, so awesome. God's just doing so much. Wow. Wow. I feel the Lord. I'm like, Oh, where do you go from here? (laughs) Thank you, Jessica. So much. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for being Jessica. Thank you for letting your purest sound be heard. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, last but not least, Tim, Tim actually travels with us on the road. And one of the reasons um, that he goes with us is he's got a breaker on him. And is when we take a company of profits on the road with us, we have to have someone to break through for us before. I mean, we could do it, but it helps to have somebody <laughs> to go do it before um, we do that. And I, I told him we have two, uh, we have two, we're going into Atlanta and then we're going to Minneapolis. And and I said, I said, no pressure, Tim, but can you make sure that you have all breaker songs and that you break through for us before we all get up for the day? It makes it easier for us as prophets. But I mean, he knows I'm, you know, no kidding, but at the same time, yes. But um, so welcome, Tim. Well, I'm so glad and honored to be here. I think we should just bring uh, Jessica to all the conferences and let her loose. I'm just honored to be a part. And um I'm so thankful uh, for this time. My heart has been stirred in so many ways. You know, I'll, I'll just kind of, I guess, pick up from where you were sharing um, about that whole breaker. Um, f- for me, um, I didn't have as much language um, initially. I still don't have a ton of it, but I'm still learning and growing, leaning into it. I think for me, uh, one of the premier focuses as I lead is there was a phrase that came to me in 2022. I'll never forget it. It was right on the heels of the election and all the things and George Floyd and all the things. And I'm leading a team um, and planning a church and all the things. And on my team, um, we had, we had, don't get freaked out, but we had BLM supporters and we had Trump supporters on my team, on the same team. (laughs) And so lunch was always fun team meetings were always fun it was just a lot going on if you could imagine do you guys remember and then the pandemic right and so all of this is happening and I'm asking the Lord like God you got to lead me like I don't I I just and I heard I heard a whisper from heaven fill the room it was so gentle but it was so so with such authority it cleared the room of the clutter like Ray was saying and he said enthrone him now It was as if heaven was waiting for an opportune time to enthrone him. It was the worst time. It felt like there could not be a worse time. I was looking for an agenda. I was looking for a strategy. I was looking for a a help. I was looking for a game we could play to make us all unified. I was looking for something to say that would get us all on the same page. You know, we're trying to rally everybody together. And all heaven said to me, I'm calm down. All heaven said to me was enthrone him now. And I was like, in the midst of this, 
It was like heaven was saying, we need you to enthrone him now. We are depending on the worshipers to build a throne on earth in the midst of the worst season that you probably ever experienced. We are depending on the worshipers to build a throne to enthrone him now. There's, the world is so, is so enamored by the bad news right now because you all are enamored by the bad news right now. But if you would take your eyes off of the bad news and build a throne, enthrone him now, we can change the story. We can change the narrative. We can pull down dominions and, and all kinds of principalities and regions if you will call my attention, if you will call the attention of the body to enthrone him now. When he said that, I knew, I knew with such clarity, I had one focus, enthrone him now. I didn't know to call it a breaker. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know, I, I was, you know, raised under Pastor Benny and we would soak in the glory. And, and then I, you know, all the, you know, there's so many changes going on with within the worship world. You know what I mean? Like, we are we soaking this year? Or are we like, okay, we're good, you know, like, but, but when he said enthrone him, enthrone him, and him now, something in me knew what to do. There's only room for one king on the throne. And, and, and that, and that king can't be my agenda, even though I have a preference. My preference can't be my king. So the Lord gave me this phrase and thrown him now that rang in my heart. And so when I worship, when I run with teams and we go into to regions and different spaces and every region is different as you travel, you know that it's one line. And that is this. We agree with heaven. We agree with heaven, period. I don't know what I'm gonna have to face in Philadelphia. I don't know what I'm gonna have to face in Atlanta. I don't know what I'm gonna face if I land in Tokyo. I don't know, and they don't even speak my language and I don't may not speak theirs. I don't know what I'm gonna have to face in, in a country that's that's got dominus, dominant Buddhism going on. I don't know what, what, what environment I'm gonna be sitting in. I don't always have an intercessory team praying for 30 hours before I get in there. I don't know what I'm gonna face when I, Elizabeth calls and says, can you do that? I, yes, I can go, but I don't know. What, but I know that when I hit the ground, and I say in the name of Jesus, two things I can promise you, God, by your grace. I will agree with heaven and I will enthrone you now. Whatever it is, if there's something that needs to be broken through, I'm here for it. We're all the way breaking through. If there's, if you want us to build a habitation where hearts are bowed and settled at ease to hear your sweet voice, I agree with heaven. If you want such glory to fill this place that the sick get out of wheelchairs and sickness runs out of this place in terror of the bloody cross, we agree with heaven. If you want the gospel of redemption to go out into this place so souls come to the altar and say, what must I do to be saved? We agree with heaven. And so what's burning in my heart with all of the things that have been said is this, this, this passion of fidelity and allegiance to whatever heaven's agenda is. And there's a thrust and a, and a, and a, and a push in this season with this apostolic and prophetic grace released in the world because we're taking territory back. And it's important to note that hubs are not just supposed to release a sound but God is actually sending apostolic worshipers to partner with the foundation builders of hubs to build the sound. 
it's not just, it used to be only thought that, oh, we'll get set up as an apostolic hub and then we'll release the sound. And whatever sound is coming out as we're being established as an apostolic hub, like that's the sound. Like, But there are people who are graced with strategy and anointing and insight that God is calling to partner with people because the sound is necessary to help break open that place for a greater establishing of that hub in those regions. So I even want to call people who, who you don't even know necessarily the language for it. And you're not trying to be grandiose. I battled with that. That was I, what I wrestled with. I missed sometimes moments when I should have been standing in greater partnership because I kept thinking, I'm not good. I can't, I'm who am I? And I, and I had nothing, and I didn't realize it had nothing to do with me. I just needed to be in agreement with heaven. Part of my, my secret sauce is agreement. Yeah. I can agree with a leader. I can get in a space and dig it out till our nails pull back and blood comes off, but the kingdom is established. I'll get in the grime and we'll work and we will see the kingdom established. So that power of agreement, I want to challenge those of you that are that are maybe watching, you're like, man, I feel like maybe our sound hasn't been released in the house, but we're but we're we're an apostolic hub. You may be an answer to prayer. You may be there not to use. This is that sometimes industry mindset to use this established hub as your launching pad to be whatever, but actually to partner with the digging out, releasing the sound where you are in partnership with God's great apostolic mandate for that region. So two things I would say to those that are watching is this. Always agree with heaven. You may say, I don't know, like, I don't know if, what kind of, I don't know what service I'm going in. And the atmosphere is different. And I say like this, worship, for me, it's like flying a plane. No pilot can make the plane fly. No pilot can make the plane fly. He can operate machinery that's designed to fly, but he can't make the plane fly. There's a law called gravity and he can't trump that, but there's a law of lift. If he does what the plane is designed to do, then the law of lift will kick in every time. And as certain as the law of gravity is, is as certain as the law of lift is. We don't have dead services because we don't serve a dead God. So when we go into an atmosphere, I don't have the responsibility to make the atmosphere fly. I have the responsibility to agree with heaven. And every time, just like the law of gravity has to yield to the law of lift, whatever's in that atmosphere has to yield to my agreement with heaven. Because heaven's power is always greater. And that's where I see the greatest breakthrough and shift. So always agree with heaven and always purpose in your heart. I'll enthrone you now. Whatever you want, my king, whatever you want, I will enthrone you now. And when you're enthroned, you do what you want. You have your way. And we'll stay, we'll stay attuned. We enthrone sometimes and then we leave. We don't know what to do. But no, we enthrone and we love and we stay yielded. And whatever you want to do, that's where we're going. Deliverance, breakthrough, redemption, salvation, healing, prophetic flow. We we're yielded. And, and he gets he gets his full reward. Wow. So good, Tim. So good. So appreciate you. Okay. Our last five minutes. Now we kind of went a little bit over, but our last five minutes, I want Ray to get back on here. Ray, what would you say to, to encourage people in this season? for worship, private worship, but also corporate worship um, for the United States right now and where we're at? 
I would say the times, as challenging as they have been, has also created uh, a an honest uh, desperation that's worthy to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but these times, rather than us feeling so isolated, uh, we we need to understand the difference between solitude and isolation. And this isolation factor where the enemy would love to draw us aside and and isolate us for his purposes. But in fact, it doesn't work that way because our people are carrying intimacy and intention. And the third one, intensity. Can you hear the intensity of every speaker that's been, every every person that's spoken on this thing today? And it's not just because we had a time limit. We're trying to say, you know, everything so fast. I know that there's a little bit of that. Uh, time constraint in our voices, but there's an intensity born out of intimacy that can only come when you've had solitude, those times of solitude with the Lord. And the, and the last thing I would say would be, well, you know, we know that there's been a collection of seasonal emphasis uh, of the Holy Spirit from past seasons that were designed to introduce us actually to a new era in the kingdom. And uh, Roland touched on this two or three times there. We're in a new day now. And with this is going to come a new sound, a new song, and a new language born out of the people of God. As we watch the whole world reword uh, the universe right now, we're rewording everything. But there's a new sound, a new song, and new language that are coming out of heaven. And there are going to be a people of intimacy and intensity that are going to carry it. And it's going to shake the nations. And some of that collection of seasonal emphasis we've had, listen to these words we've carried in the past, worship service, worship gatherings. We know how to do worship services, don't we? If there's anything we know how to do, we know how to do church. We know how to conduct worship services, worship events, worship gatherings. There's a worship movement now, worship industry. I know that one all bothers all of us a little bit to say that even when we understand it, uh, to industrialize worship, uh, you know, uh, but there is a worship industry that's been created. And you know what? We should not be ultra religious people that reject it because of its title and step away from it because of its impurities. We need to invade and stand right in the ranks with those folks and bring something pure and powerful and, and effective into those places rather than getting religious and arrogant about it and backing off because it's not us. Well, this world is not us either. either, And we need to be carrying our worship to this world. But anyway, worship movement, the worship industry, at least in these terms, worship lifestyle, that's a noble one. But let's take all of those secondary words away now, and let's just become the worshipers. And out of the overflow of our worship, that was what the battle was fought between uh, with Jesus and, and Satan and the temptation. All you have to do is just for one moment, worship me, and I'll give you everything you're here for. And that's when he said, nope. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. That tells us that the overflow of our worship is what empowers us to serve humanity and serve the kingdom and serve everything that we're sent here to impact through a servant heart. And so, again, priorities. Now, lastly, throne room worship is where we're headed without limitations, without boundaries, and without definitions without categories, without musical genres, without musical styles, 
this what we're being called and created for in this in this season of apostolic worship is going to be unbound by time and space. It's not just about place, though it can be, but it's not about place. It's about presence. This is more than a movement. This is a time within, this is a time wrapped in eternity right now, and we should be carrying that eternal understanding. This is not about a ministerial five-year plan. This is about an eternal plan that God put in motion so that, so that the one that is enthroned upon our praises will reveal the full expression of his nature. And worship leaders, you are the very guys to facilitate that kind of truth and that kind of anointing. And thank God we have all lived this long to get to this new day. I know with the new with, with this with this new sound, new song, and new language, you know, the old guard, there's a lot of folks in the old guard that are not going to that, that just simply as this changing of the guard happens, uh, uh, the old guard may not uh, appreciate what they didn't initiate. But there's an, an, an eternal initiation that has been set in motion that we cannot miss just because it's new to our thinking or maybe new to it's not been our theological experience in days past. That's why it's new. Yes. A new song, rebuild, renew, repair, restore. So much that's been lost in the religious realm down through the years is now coming back around. And, 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 and these young fire breathers even that are on this thing right here carrying that intensity i think roland and i are probably the older ones here and uh, and i tell you I, you know R R roland let's that as two dads here let's just agree right now that uh, that the these new ones that are coming up will be those that walk in the intimacy without compromise walk in purity and power and the beauty of god again let's see, it's a new day guys I'm so glad we all get to be alive in this time that looks it may look like what it what it looks like, but there's there's something far greater to be seen. Yeah. And so, Lord, I speak that over every person that's in this group and 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 that's listening to our voices right now. And Lord, I pray that uh, throne room realities, supernatural releases of your goodness and your and your glory. And Lord, don't please don't let us forget how good you are. Jesus, yes, Lord. Uh, you're so much better than a, than a worship service. Yeah, You're yeah. so much better than a worship event. You're greater than a gathering. Uh, you're mightier than a movement. And Lord, we just welcome you into our lives in ways that we didn't know you could, you could access. And Lord, we wear, wear our lives now. I pray, Lord, that every person engaged in worship these days will live vulnerable, transparent lives to the point that the, that the, uh, we not be those that stand on the stage with the lights hitting us. We'll be those that stand there and the light shines through us and reveals your glory. I pray that for every worship leader, every musician, every singer, every songwriter that's writing the language. We're not writing the next year's most popular chorus we're writing the next generation's language for accessing you and yeah. uh, yielding their lifestyles and the season that they're alive on this earth uh, to, to all that you're about to and through our lives. And so, Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name that, that this be, uh, today would be somehow 
be able to be recognized and realized as a huge transition point into a new day in the kingdom and the earth. Uh, in Jesus' name, I bless every worship leader and every singer and every preacher and every prophetic one who has a, their ear to the ground and their eyes to the sky right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Well, I want to say thank you guys so much for joining us, Jessica, Ray, Roland, Tim, and Catherine is so sorry. She texts me. She's like, I'm so sorry it fell off. So we want to remind you our next, <coughs> our next prophetic culture live stream will be about Watchmen prophets. We're going to have Jane Hammond, James Gall, Joshua Giles, and Patricia King, and that'll be July 26th. This has been amazing. I could just, I, did, I, I thought last night, I was like, I wonder if all these guys can get together and do one weekend can you imagine how many worship leaders coming if you guys all did a weekend together and just let it and just taught and prayed and creed and yeah. all of that so but thank you so much for watching us please um ray how can people do you have you written a book i should know this but i'm so sorry i don't have you written what kind of if people wanted to follow you with materials um just to hear more of your teachings where would they go uh, well, rayhughes.org is a good place to start. We're redoing a bunch of stuff right now, but rayhughes.org. And also I have a book I wrote 25 years ago called, or 30 years ago, I guess, Sound of Heaven, Symphony of Earth. And there's a lot of folks today are using that as a book club thing. And they're wow. going, we just did a thing uh, recently with a book club of that. And then, then I have a book uh, that I, uh, you know, I'm traveling so much for so long, been on the road for 50 years until COVID came uh, with, you know, I've had this battle with COVID and cancer. They came the same week for me. And, uh, but I used to get all frustrated because I couldn't say everything I wanted to say in these conferences on the weekend. So I wrote a book called 107 things I forgot to say the last time I talked about worship, creativity, and music. That's the title of the book. And so you can get that. And also I have a podcast that we started called uh, the listening porch. Uh, where we just, I just you know get on and talk about stuff, you know, and uh, so those are all good ways to find. But there's, I mean, there's dozens of series and and uh, you know sound and worship and uh, the Tabernacle of David and all that stuff. You can find on rayhughes.org. Yeah. yeah, we love you so much, Ray. Thank you so much, um, Roland, Jessica, and and Tim and. Y'all have to get out to Fresh Start Church, please. If you want to see apostolic worship in motion, Roland, you know I'm going to keep running after you till I get we get you out there. So please come. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. There's your official. Come come visit. So um, thank you guys so much for joining us online, and we'll see you next week or in two weeks.